like you to open your Bibles tonight to 2 Corinthians. A little bit different message. And actually, I, I didn't have a message, and I was praying that God would show me what we need to hear. And I kept coming back to this, and I thought, I don't think that's it, but it kept coming back there, so I'm, I'm believing that He's going to anoint it. It's going to be exactly what all of us or some of us need to hear tonight. I want us to read in 1 Corinthians 1, in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so you also partake of the consolation. And as I read that, it kind of all ran together, but you read it again, and you read it again, and you realize there's a consistent message that's coming out of those verses. And it comes through the same Greek word that's used ten times, comfort, comforted, or consolation. That is, comes from the same root Greek word, and it's translated to aid, help, or encourage. The act of exhortation, encouragement, or comfort. I want to speak a message tonight titled, Defeating Discouragement. Defeating Discouragement. Because in our Christian life, one thing every single one of us will face at some point is a valley in our life or a time when things are difficult and we don't understand why things are going the way that they are and we always tend to look at that and say this is, this is not good and naturally our natural self will focus on those things we focus on the problems that we run into in our life well when you bring that into our Christian life with that comes doubt and discouragement. And we've all faced it at some point. There are several ways that this happens, and I think we can all relate to this when we think about discouragement. Being in a trial that's long, that there doesn't seem to be any manifestation, and we start to wonder, is this really going to work? That's discouragement. Or it could be from persecution from... Outside people could be family members that are always wearing on you. Why do you believe what you believe? Don't you think you could believe a little differently? Don't you think that is extreme? And that can cause us to be discouraged in our convictions. Or it could be something financial. You know, a financial battle, when it doesn't seem like the money's coming in, that can be pretty discouraging. That can be something that we really look at. Or what about children? Raising the children. What's it say in Proverbs 10? A wise son is gladness 
to his father, but a foolish son is grief to his mother. And that grief at times in that, that time of life can be discouragement. Or it's just the odd, constant negative influence that we have in our lives. If you think about how negative influences are, it's constant. You can't, you can't sit down and watch a ball game without feeling like you might not live because of all the, the medicine that's needed or, or all of the, the financial help that you're going to need or your retirement's not going to work. There's a lot of negative influences that I think we soak in without even realizing that and it can cause us to be discouraged. And you know, growing up in a preacher's home, I can tell you that preachers can become discouraged because they, they preach week in and week out, and then they see there's times when the church doesn't look like it's changing. There's still the same problems. There's still the same friction between members. You know, how many times do we hear messages on gossip? over and over and over, probably maybe a thousand times. I don't know a lot of gossip. And preachers would preach it, and then next week, here we go. That would be discouraging. Or what about, I know growing up, the, what I called the, the stone casters, you know, the ones who want to drag a fellow member before someone else and say, well, this is your problem. Just like when they brought the lady who was caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. And he said, who's without sin cast the first stone? The stone casters are in our midst always, and that can be a discouragement. Because no matter how many times the preacher preaches on that it is better to have a millstone around your neck and thrown into the ocean than to offend one of these little ones of mine, you know, the little bracelets, what would Jesus do? We should have had little millstones made and put them around our neck there so we could have remembered it. Oh, no, don't offend, you know, don't offend. But, but the message of the, the millstone there is one that is quickly forgotten from a congregation because even in our midst now, there are those that are more comfortable with finding, finding something wrong in a fellow believer's life and they consider themselves somehow spiritual to be able to explain why the, that area of their life is wrong. When the truth is, if they were really spiritual, they would be on their knees praying for that person, and they would keep their mouth shut. But that's something that a preacher can become discouraged about constantly. Defeating discouragement. I want us to look at that tonight. We all need encouragement. If you think about the men in the Bible, they needed encouragement. Prophets needed encouragement. God sent an angel to Jesus to strengthen him. Everybody at some point needs encouragement. Let's define it a little bit about encouragement. Encouragement is to give courage, hope, or confidence. And true spiritual encouragement is inspired by God. He's the source of that because he knows what we need. And on the flip side of that, discouragement that creeps into our life that we realize one day that we have become discouraged is to weaken or lessen the confidence to obstruct or hinder. To weaken 
or lessen the confidence or to obstruct or to hinder. And when we think about our spiritual lives, there is one source for discouragement, to weaken and to hinder and to obstruct our spiritual life, and we know who that is. That is the devil, and he is usually the source of that. But God knows what we need. He says, if you as earthly fathers know and give good gifts to your children, how much more your heavenly father? I believe that God would freely give us encouragement to defeat discouragement, but there is one problem with that. We have to hear encouragement, and we have to receive it. Because the natural man wants to focus on, he always wants to focus on his problem, and he feels like it is a, a unique problem. Never been happened before. This is something different. You don't understand. I know what the scripture says, but you don't really understand. That's our nature to do that. But Jesus said, Come, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I want us to consider three ways that God inspires encouragement in our lives. How does God inspire and give encouragement? And there are many ways that happens. If you're in a financial trial and you find a 50 in your pocket, you're pretty encouraged, or whatever it may be. You know, if you come home and, and times are tight and you've got a, 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 a gift certificate to Walmart for groceries, you're, you're pretty encouraged. But there's one specific way I want us to look at tonight, and that is how that God encourages his people and inspires encouragement through words. Through words. All through history, if you, you look at it, he would send or have a message or have somebody speak encouragement through words. And I want us to look at the ways that he does that and to consider the most important thing, and that is that we have to be able to hear encouragement, and we have to be able to receive it. What happens to a person who becomes discouraged and then just becomes a maverick and stays away? How can they ever hear encouraging words? That's part of the purpose of the body of Christ, is to encourage each other. That's part of our job. And how does a person do that if they don't come? Because if the devil can get somebody discouraged enough to cause them to stop coming and stop being around believers, then he's got half the battle won right there. And that's something that you listen to a preacher that says, talks about attendance and being committed and being at the church. Do you ever stop and wonder why? Because a pastor of a church, he has one thing in mind. You and yours, your children, make it to heaven. That's what he wants. That's it. And he pours his life into it. And every week, week in and week out, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's her. I badly want them to make it. That's what a pastor says. And so when he says you need to be here, it's because he understands that there is something here that you need. And when a person becomes independent and no longer needs it, then they can become discouraged. It's an open door and the devil can work in, and there's no way to defeat discouragement because he has a stronghold in the mind of that person that's discouraged. So we have to think about, it's not just on the, the mountaintops that we need to be at church, and we need to be around believers. 
But just importantly, it's in the valleys. We need it. We need encouragement. Every single one of us need to be encouraged spiritually. And also to be able to receive it. We need it. We need truth. The first way that God inspires true encouragement is doing what we're doing right now. Just as a man that stands up and gives a message or a sermon or just some old-fashioned preaching, people have been encouraged for generations by good old preaching, preaching from God's Word. And we talk about that, and even here, you would be surprised at how many people, week in and week out, will say, after a service, from whoever's doing the preaching, wow, that was exactly what I needed to hear. You, you didn't know it, but I was going through an issue, and you said the exact words that I needed to hear, and it really struck home with me, and I'm going to take that home and take it as encouragement. God inspires words of encouragement from a pulpit. It is important for us to see that because that is the reason that we get up here week in, week out and try to encourage and to put out different messages that will help you in your Christian life because the goal is always the same, that we're all going to make it to heaven. That's what we're trying to do. So when somebody says, well, that was just for me, or what about, and you all may or may not know this, how similar the messages can be. We do not interact, the three of us that are doing the, the preaching right now, we don't talk about what we're going to preach about. But I can tell you that if you're up next and you're already working on a sermon and you come in here behind one of these guys, he's probably got your verses. It, it is amazing how that has worked. It really is. And some of the verses that I've wrote down here for tonight, and we're going to use our Bible a lot here in just a minute, Ben sang some of the songs. And if this happens week in and week out, you think of all the scriptures and topics that these guys could be preaching on, how did they come up with those verses? You have to realize at some point, you know what? God inspires words of encouragement from this pulpit. And so when we think about being inspired or anointed, that a man can just empty his mind and his heart to the best of his ability and say, God, use me to speak a word in season tonight. And he says that. He can believe it when it happens because you think, well, I didn't even think of those things and couldn't believe some of the things that came out of my mouth. But my question tonight is, do you believe that? Because if you ask yourself, do I believe that God, God Almighty, inspires words to come from these ordinary men as they stand up here and preach, if you say yes, then how in the world can you miss a service over something small? How could it be that you truly do believe that there are words inspired of God coming over this pulpit and we take it lightly. So you'd have to ask yourself, do I really believe that? And that's for everybody to decide. And what about our music when we come in here? 
how encouraging can music be? Because it puts us in remembrance. It puts us in remembrance of what God's done. It puts us in remembrance of the things that He's going to do and what He's brought us through. Those are things of encouragement. Amen? Amen. They are encouraging. All right, secondly, if God inspires the words from messages and good old preaching, He also can inspire encouragement in the words between each other as fellow believers. Because these words that go between each other, I tell you what it implies. If you find a brother who's struggling, he's in a battle with discouragement, and you go to that brother or sister and you say, been thinking about you. I just want you to know I'm standing with you. And God is going to bring you through this. See, when you begin to say those things, you are implying to that person, we're together. We're together on this. Those words of encouraging, it almost sounds like bearing one another's burdens. Because whenever you imply that you're with them, you're implying that I'm going to be here with you to help you through this. You're with them. You're together. You're bearing it together. The importance of encouraging. And I know when I say these things that this is not something that has ever been stressed or, or really or focused on, but think of how important it is because every single one of us deals with discouragement and every single one of us can be involved in being inspired to encourage. And we can have that part of our life and work of ministry tonight. Every week, around the people that God has put us in a body with, to be inspired to have words of encouragement for each other. Because there's far too many cases where fellow brothers and sisters are discouraged, and we push that aside and say, I hope they make it. We have to be able to encourage them. It's important in their battle to defeat discouragement. And another thing that whenever you go to encourage somebody, how many of y'all know how different it is when somebody says words to you and you know that person loves you compared to this person does not love you? Because they can say the exact same words and the hearer will instantly realize that... Uh, this is not real, or this is real. The importance of what John preached on Sunday, realizing God's love for us, and because he loved us, we love him. And man, did a home run hit, we demonstrate it by loving each other. If we don't have love for each other, how can we be an encouragement how can we be that? Because if we do not love each other, we cannot encourage each other because the words come out of your mouth and hit the floor because they're empty. Because the person, the hearer, can instantly know you don't really care. And that is an indicator of a problem of the heart. That if we are going to have a heart to do ministry and a heart that the Lord has prepared to be useful to be able to, he can put inspired words of encouragement in our mouths 
that we can go with love to each other and say, I'm with you on this, and I really, really want you to do well, and we're going to believe God's going to get you through this, whatever we have to do. When a person hears that, that makes a big difference. I want us to consider in tying the messages we hear and all the thoughts we have about love and about encouragement and the importance of being used to have God-inspired words of encouragement for each other. Something we can do. And we have to practice this, and you have to exercise this. I'm not saying you get in front of the mirror and practice encouraging somebody, but you have to act upon prompting. How many times you looked across the room and you saw somebody and you thought, well, I know they're struggling, I ought to say something to them, and you don't. You have to act upon that. That's what I'm talking about, about practicing. Or what about just good old-fashioned fellowship? Y'all remember way back in the stone days when everybody fellowshiped, ate dinner together, went over to people's houses, good old-fashioned fellowshipping, one person looking at another and speaking. Can you imagine that? Words, not, not typed words, not text, words. Can you imagine good old-fashioned fellowshipping, how many times God uses that to encourage people? You could probably remember some of the night, because I remember as a young person sleeping over on the floor because it got to be 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, Mom and Dad were still in there talking with other adults and, and enjoying good old-fashioned fellowshipping. And I, I believe that there was a lot of encouraging and encouragement that went around in those days that we, if we're not careful, are going to miss out on because our times are changing. I believe a man could get up here and preach every single service about our changing culture because it is, it is deadly in so many ways to the church and to our spiritual lives. But one of them is the lack of and the leaving behind of and the forsaking of good old-fashioned fellowshipping. Consider it. And if you get opportunity, might try it. I know it's an old thing. But it is. Do not discount your words to somebody as being too simple or not enough or I don't know what I would say because I don't know how many people. I talked to a neighbor the other day. He needed something, and I drove down there, and we were working around, and he said, I just want to thank you for, for, for what, you, what you did the other day with, with when my kids were, we were somewhere with my kids and some things you said there. It really made an impact. And I was on my piece of equipment, and I was completely blank. I thought, I, don't, I didn't even speak to him. I don't even know what he's talking about. No idea. And then he went on to describe it. It was a very short conversation. He said, we talked about it as a family, and it's really made an impact. And he said, I just want you to know it. And I thought, there is no way, there is no way possible. That was a completely thoughtless thought in saying that I said to him and God can use it just don't underestimate how encouraging you can be if God inspires the words you just have to say it no matter how simple that might be okay thirdly a way that God uses words and this is very obvious and that is in the Bible as we read we find encouragement through his word I want us to read I hope that uh 
I hope that I do not have too many scriptures, but when I would cut it down some, they were, they were too good to cut back, so therefore I kept most all of them. So I want us to read some scriptures. I want us to read concerning God's word and encouragement. Psalms 138. I want us to read as he talks about his word, the Bible, because we tend, we're a country that has so many Bibles. We take it almost like, if we're not careful, it's just another book in print. I know when Dad left me his sermon notes, books, and contents of his drawers, literally, I don't know how many Bibles, but we are, bi- we are lousy with Bibles at my house because he had so many Bibles. And there would be different types of Bibles and ones he would like. But the Word of God, if we're not careful, we will consider it to be just another book. We've got a lot of them. Let's read what he says in Psalms 138. In verse 2 says, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. As we think about being encouraged from words of God, in Romans 10 it says, His word is nigh unto us. It's in our heart and in our mouth. We think about the Word of God, they say, consists of 8,000 promises. It tells us about God's love for us, and it tells us that we have the victory. Turn to 1 Corinthians, and as we think about these things in the face of defeating discouragement, I can't emphasize enough the importance of the Word of God as we go through our daily lives. On 1 Corinthians 15... In verse 57, his word speaks to us in a time when we're discouraged and says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And if you continue over to Second Peter... Because the Word clearly tells us that with God all things are possible, and also at the end of our life, we're heaven-bound. It says it over and over through His Scripture. Through His Word, He is encouraging us in a time when we could be discouraged. In verse 10 of 2 Peter 1, says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Or in King James, says, fall. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you all, but in verse 11, I want an entrance into the kingdom of God. That's what I'm looking forward to, and that's what I want. And his Bible says that he will supply an entrance into his kingdom. And folks, if that's not encouraging at a time of discouragement, I don't know what is. Because we know that God is in control, and God knows the beginning, and God knows the end. It's just for us to work through it in the short amount of time that we're on this earth. But God already knows. He's already in it. There's all kinds of, 
There is all kinds of examples. Hebrews 11, all the men who live by faith. All kinds of examples of encouragement in a time when we are discouraged. And I want to encourage you tonight that if you're discouraged, to get into God's Word. Because I don't know how many people that are discouraged that the first thing they do is they set their Bible aside. And I think that's a a real trap and a real danger. Because in a time of discouragement, there's nothing we need more than the Word of God. So when we think about, there was three ways that he that he spoke to us or he inspires words of encouragement, I want us to tonight, from the pulpit, I want to remind you of a few things. I want to encourage you. I want you to look at, there's about six things I want us to look at tonight, and we'll go through it quickly. But I want you to think about it. If you're suffering symptoms of discouragement, and you're wondering how you can defeat discouragement, and you're going through a time when you feel like that your focus is on the negative things that have happened or are happening in your life, then I want you to consider these things. Number one, that God, He chose you. He picked you. Of all of creation, He picked you. And He knew exactly every detail of your past. And he also knows the details of your future. God picked you and God picked me. I want us to consider that in the face of discouragement. He already knows. He knows our beginning. He knew the moment, the first cry that came out of your mouth. He knew everything even before that. He foreknew. He predestined. But he's watched every event of our life. And he's been involved in every single one of them. And I'm going to tell you that God is not conducting an experiment with us. God is not hoping that somehow or another we're going to hold on and make it. God already knows because he picked us and he chose us. And he's chose us to do a work in us so that we can pass through this life and glorify him with our, with our decisions and our life And at the end, we will receive an entrance into the kingdom of God. God chose that, not you. Be encouraged tonight. God picked you. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians 1. Because we tend to think of ourselves. If the devil can discourage us and tend to think of us as... You're not good enough. Look at what you've done and look at your past. But see, that's, that discouragement comes from the author of discouragement, the devil, because he knows that God picked you just the way you were. Think about this, and this is not implying anything about anybody or any of us, but think about these words in 1 Corinthians verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring nothing to things that are, that no 
flesh should glory in his presence. God chose us exactly the way that we were. Turn over to Colossians. In Colossians 1, when we think about our past or think about our weaknesses or we think about the ways that we are somehow not enough, not, not worthy, and discouragement raises its head. If you turn to verse 21, it says, And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. When you think about those words, it doesn't have anything to do with what you have been. It doesn't have anything to do with your weaknesses. God chose you. Secondly, God not only chose us, but God will keep us. He will keep us. Turn to John 10. In John 10, in verse 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I will give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My God has given, my Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I want us to be reminded in the face of discouragement that He is God Almighty. And there is nothing that is stronger than or above him. And there is nothing that he cannot do. And he's our God. And we're his people. And he will keep us. He will keep us. Turn over to Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 35. And this verse may become more special in the days to come, not only in our lives, but in our children's lives. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? For as is written, For your sake we are killed all the day long, and we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. At the end of the day, he's going to keep us at the end of our lives. Thirdly, not only God chose us and he'll keep us, but God is in control. God is in control. One thing discouragement will always say is, I don't know what's going to happen. That's discouragement's ace. Uncertainty. What is going to happen? That's what happens when a person becomes discouraged. They think, this could be even worse than it is, and I don't see any way out. I want to tell you that God is in control, 
And he's in control of every event in your life. Every single one of them. He's in control of your temptations. Because how many people become discouraged because there are things in their life that they can't seem to get the victory over? Some sin in their life. And it constantly raises its head. And people go through life, they'll get the victory. They'll pray. They'll feel like for a time that they put this sin behind them. Then they'll become discouraged and they fall back into it. And this process can go on for a long time and a person can become very discouraged. But just like Ben saying, there are no temptation taken us, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow us to be tested above we are able. Think about, too, not only in our temptations, but He does not ask us to live or to do or to believe or to act in any way that we're not able to do. In the midst of a trial, in the midst of difficulty, He is not asking us to do something that we cannot do because of His presence in our life. He is asking us to do something we can't do ourselves. But He is in control. God is in control. God is in control. I turn to 1 John 5. We think about, I just don't know if I can. How many times we've heard people say, I don't know if I can walk that way. I don't know if I can do that. I just don't know that I can. I just don't think I can. Discouragement is ruling the day. In 1 John 5, in verse 3 it says, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And in Matthew 11, He says, Take your yoke upon me and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you think about being yoked together, another statement that you would have to go with that and say that He would never leave us or forsake us. When we think about being yoked together and His burden, we can say that it is easy because of who we're yoked together with. Turn to Hebrews 4. As we go through our life and we think about the things that discourage us, in Scripture we have to remember Hebrews 4, as human beings, as we approach God in prayer, and in our Christian life, think about Hebrews 4 in verse 15. Let's actually go to 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. I want us to consider the fact that God is in control. Fourthly, a fourth thing, it is God that inspires us to believe what we believe. It's God that inspires us to. Because you think about the trials, trials are of our faith. Trials are, are we going to believe? And we think about those things in, like in Psalms 119, it says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous 
things from thy law. The first step of being able to believe is being able to see what to believe. Y'all understand that? Because how many of our friends, they just can't see it. Even the simplest things from the Bible. When you talk to people in town, they, you can talk all day long about a specific scripture. <clears throat> they can't see it. And at one point, we were all like that. We were just blinded to it. We couldn't see. But then God opens our eyes because it is God that inspires us as to what to believe. He opens our eyes, and he causes us to be able to see. And whenever we see, we can believe. And that is why that when we think about something being too difficult, or I don't know if I can go through this, we have to ask ourselves, why in the world, or where, how did I get in this position in the first place? It is God that inspired me to believe. And if God inspired you to do that, then you can do it. God opens our eyes, and he gives us faith to believe, because he is the author of faith. Faith is a gift. And if he gives us that gift, it's not our job to manufacture faith. It's not our job. We're not the author of faith. It's our job to exercise it. And a lot of people think when they get discouraged, it's because somehow or another, you know, what am I, what am I doing in this trial? Why is this not working? Why am I not able to believe this? God is the author of faith. God gives us faith. We have to exercise it. And that's something that, for myself, I see in the future going forward, whenever we talk about God moving amongst our church, God moving amongst our families, in our own lives, seeing, seeing the supernatural, I don't believe we're going to stand out here and look to the west and see a wind blowing this way, and here comes the supernatural. I think it's going to be we're going to look within our hearts and God is going to give us faith and we're going to exercise it and we're going to look up one day and realize, I believe that. And our mind's going to say, but that would take the supernatural. And then you're going to realize, I believe it anyhow. And when we do that, then that is a gift of God. That is the faith that he's going to build in our hearts. So when we think about it is God that inspires us as to what to believe, fourthly, fifthly, it is God will bless us. When we think about being discouraged, God, it is God that will bless us. Turn to Galatians, or I'm sorry, turn to Romans 8. Because we know that, like in Galatians 6, it says that if we will reap if we faint not. Deuteronomy 28 talking about the Israelites. He said, you'll be blessed going in and blessed going out. But in, in Romans 8, verse 29, it says, for whom, he pre, for whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, he also called. And whom he called, these he justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his son, but he delivered him up for us all. 
how, sh how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I want us to think about, as we go through life, and obstacles and struggles come in our life, and discouragement comes up, that not only is God in control, but God will bless us. And another thing he is, he is faithful. We can't say it enough. And you say, I've heard that, and it causes you to kind of tune out because we've heard this point so many times in this church life. God is faithful. But I'm going to tell you, on a dark night, you need to hear it. You need to know it. Because when discouragement is reigning and discouragement is, is in your life, you need to know, wait a minute. God is faithful. God is faithful. And so when you think about these things, it's God that inspires us. God will bless us. God is faithful. All of these things, when we begin to think of those things, then the things in our life become to get smaller. And we realize that we are beginning to defeat discouragement. If you can hear a message like this, and it kind of rolls off, in the midst of discouragement, there's probably reason for alarm. There should be con some concern. Because if the devil can get us to set our Bibles aside and to turn our ears off and to focus, he can burn years of our life. He can keep us defeated. And I'm going to tell you, discouragement is defeating many Christians. Discouragement. I want us to lastly look at how do we defeat discouragement? How do we defeat discouragement in our life? I think we have to start at the very root and we have to look at exactly the source and identify what it is. Discouragement, spiritual discouragement. First of all, there is nothing new under the sun. We have to, we have to start right there. Because as long as we can tell ourselves that our situation's unique, then there is not solutions. But if we can look at it and say, God's people from the beginning of time have dealt with spiritual discouragement, they've dealt with issues in their life that don't look like they're going to work, they've gotten to the point where they're not sure they can make it, they're not sure God is in control, they're not even sure that they're saved. Discouragement is winning. And as long as people can do that, and they can put aside the fact that this has happened all through history, and they can hold to the fact that this is a unique situation, there are no answers. Because your problems, you've made them larger than what God can do. But, if we'll start at the very base of it and say, wait a minute, this has gone on since the beginning of time. My little speck in this world at my little speck in history where those lines cross is not different than many other times that God has taken care of his people. God is in control and he knows exactly the beginning from the end. So when we look at, we have to look at the base, the, the exact source because through all of history, the exact same devil is behind every time God's people are discouraged. 
It's the same devil. And it's the same desires that he has. And that is, how can he defeat God's people? So every time discouragement comes up in our life and discouragement begins to reign in our life, just know this has happened all through history with all God's people and the devil's behind it. Because when you begin to, when you begin to expose that, then all of a sudden you say, that's not something that I have to have. So you don't own it. You don't have to own that. You can know that I can be delivered from discouragement. Because if we don't first go there, how can we defeat it? Because we could spend 10 hours tonight going through specifics over here and specifics over here, how your situation might somehow differ slightly, but it all roads lead to the same devil and the same thing that's gone on all through history. There's something else that's the same in our struggles, and that is the same God is our God, the exact same God. He's Almighty God. Think about this. Your God, who picked you and has given you everything you need to have the victory, your God is the Almighty God, the all-sufficient God, the all-powerful God. And there are no other forces in the universe that can contend with our God. That's your God and my God. That is where we have to identify discouragement. The source of discouragement is the devil. And all he can do is lie to you. All he can do is lie. And all he can hope for is that you believe a lie. Because the fact is, is that God Almighty is your God. And he's my God. And we have to recognize that when we go and defeat discouragement. God Almighty... The devil desires to defeat us. God's desire for us is we have the victory, which includes defeating discouragement. It is God's desire we defeat discouragement. He didn't save us for us to pass through this life a discouraged bunch of people. That's not his will. That's not his design. We are to be encouraged. He is in heavenly places. And when you think about that, I think you've begun to see clues on defeating discouragement. Turn to Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, in verse 1, it says, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. I don't know how you all are in your prayer life, but if you could add a prayer and ask God that he would make you and me pray that God would make me to be eternally minded, to be heavenly minded, to be able to think of things that are eternal, because if we, can, if we keep our sights down low on the ground 
and we think about the problems that are facing us each and every day, then discouragement has an environment to grow. But if your mind and your affections and your thoughts are on things eternal, it's very difficult to become discouraged in this life. And that is very important in defeating discouragement. Turn to 2 Corinthians, and I'm going to close here shortly. In light of setting our affections and our thoughts and our sights on things that are eternal and heavenly, read in verse 16 with me. It says, Therefore, do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. That's in 2 Corinthians 4. For our light affliction is but for a moment. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. What if we faced every day asking God that we could be heavenly minded, that we could think of things eternal? that we could put our thoughts there. Because, just like it says in 18, while we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Because if that gets into our heart, and gets rooted into our heart, then it's going to be very difficult to be defeated by discouragement, to be heavenly minded. And lastly, turn to 1 Peter 5. We probably could have read these verses and summed up the entire message just by this. Think about, think about the, all, of the, all that this says, starting in, in 2 Peter 5 and verse 6. It says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking those he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you, to him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads. Father, we thank you for a, another night, another time we have to get together as a church and as your people. I ask that you would continue to do a work in us. Little by little, Father, that we would see things that we can we can apply to our life and make us pleasing to you and useful in whatever you would have us to do. We thank you, God, that you can 
It's through your power that you can help us to defeat discouragement. And I ask that you would cause us all to be more heavenly minded and eternally minded. And you would continue to show us individually as families and, and as a church what you would have for us. God, I thank you for it. I pray to you thankfully in Jesus' name.